The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner. We do begin with breaking news. Apple hitting $2 trillion in market cap, the first U.S. company to ever achieve that milestone. The stock's run and that of its FANG counterparts, a big reason why the COVID-induced bear market was the shortest on record. We'll debate what all of this means to your money with our investment committee. And joining me for the hour today are Joe Terranova, Jim Labenthal, Steve Weiss, and Jenny Harrington, the CEO and portfolio manager at Gilman Hill Asset Management. But let's begin with that historic day for shares of Apple. It is the most valuable company on earth, hitting that $2 trillion mark for the first time ever. Steve, I, I guess we shouldn't be surprised, although it took just two years to add a trillion dollars in market cap for Apple, and that's just astounding. It's absolutely remarkable. It's uh, unprecedented. I mean, it's unprecedented to have a trillion dollar company. Just aren't enough of them. Look, I added to Apple after they announced the split. Makes no economic sense in terms of the benefits to the company by doing that. And you have partial shares that you can trade through Robinhood or, or others. But I just thought that the market's going to react positively. If you look at the data historically on splits, they typically outperform by 8 to 12 percent after they do the split. So I added to my core position, which I don't want to sell, even though I do have some concerns. They've been ratcheted up. There's an attack on the App Store, which has really driven uh, a lot of the growth. But I'm staying there for now. Again, I think the 5G phone is going to be the biggest product launch they've ever had around the world. Jim, you know, I, I know that you own it as well, but to me, you sound when we talk about Apple to be, you know, one of the maybe, you know, least enthusiastic about where the stock is now at where it can go from here relative to many other people on the desk. Do you think that's fair to say? I, you know, I think it is fair to say, but it doesn't mean that I'm not enthusiastic. I think maybe what you're referring to, Scott, is that I've trimmed it a couple of times this year. Um, and that certainly is an incrimination to me. But on the other hand, even after trimming it, it's still a five and a half percent position in my portfolio, which is very large for anyone who's running a diversified portfolio. And even so, that's underweight to the market. OK, at the market, it's about six and a half percent. So what I'm really trying to get at with this is that, um, you know, Apple is the market right now. It is, in my opinion. And you have to decide, is this market and thus Apple trading on fundamentals or is it trading on a sugar high of fiscal and monetary stimulus? Now, I'm not going to shoot Apple in the head because I own five and a half percent in my portfolios. Why would I do that? But I do have to acknowledge that underneath this are some artificial supports to this market that leave me to use your words, a little less enthusiastic than the rest. Joe, is that fair, the way that Jim describes Apple, not only as Apple being the market, but these artificial forces that have helped get Apple to $2 trillion in market cap? 
Uh, I don't agree with that. I don't think it's specifically artificial forces. I think there's a lot of fundamental uh, tailwinds behind the move that we witnessed since August of 2018 for Apple. Um, I, I do think when you look at Apple and you give consideration to if you hold it in a portfolio, whether you're getting out or not, you just can't get out of the stock. Listen, I'll tell you, if I, the next $50 for Apple, Scott, it's probably down. But I'm not getting out of the stock. It's 7% right now, and it's, it's waiting of the S&P 500. So you and I had a conversation in August of 2018 when Apple exceeded a trillion dollars, first U.S. company to do it. And at that time, I said, the ceiling will become the floor. And that's exactly what has happened for Apple. It has happened for Amazon. It has happened for Microsoft. I think in the coming months, we're going to be talking about Amazon and Microsoft eclipsing $2 trillion. So I'm not afraid of that number. Saudi Aramco in December uh, of this previous year exceeded $2 trillion. There's fundamental validity why Apple is priced where it is currently. Um, and there's fundamentals behind it. And be ready for a pullback. A pullback will happen in this stock. In August of 2018, when it exceeded a trillion dollars, the next move was down 35%. But thereafter, it was right back up 200%. So I think you have to expect that. You stay with it. And given the significant weight in the S&P, you can't get out of the name. Jim and I remember when it was sub-150, hey, which seems like eons ago. Yeah, go ahead, Jim. I just really quickly, you at the start, you said it's it's reached uh, two trillion. It's doubled in, I think you said two years. I mean, more specifically, it's doubled in five months. Now, granted, you know, late March is an artificial low, but let's just put that into perspective. When I cast a little bit of shade on the stock, it's added one trillion dollars of market cap in five months. Fabulous company. Fabulous company. A trillion dollars in in five months, I think I'm right to ask a question. But, I mean, look, the, the most recent quarter, Jim, was a, was a blowout. I mean, they had what John Ford, who follows Apple as closely as anybody at this network, suggested was holiday numbers, right? And th that's fundamentally driven. I get your point about the overall stock market, but we do have a market, unfortunately, I guess, you know, you could say in some respects of haves and have-nots, and Apple is definitely a have, and it's had fundamentally driven reasons why the stock has continued to appreciate like it has. I, I think you can accuse me, rightfully, of talking out of both sides of my mouth because I own a 5.5% position of it, and I guess I'm doing it with my nose held at this point in time. Um, I'm, not, I'm not selling right now, so, you know, but I am looking for that turn that Joe refers to. I think it could be more than a 10% correction when it comes. And uh, you know what? Maybe I'll be early to trim again, but that's my next move. Jenny, you don't own it, and you wouldn't buy it here. Why not? Right. So I'm a little jealous that you said Jim was the most unenthusiastic because I'm way less enthusiastic <laughs> than, than he could be. Um, so we don't own it, and obviously that's been a miss in terms of performance, but we don't own it because the actual operating earnings growth over the past four years or so hasn't really been that impressive. It's only been in about the 5% range. What's driven the overall earnings growth has been the tax cuts and buybacks. Also, a lot of the revenue growth has been driven by pricing increases, not by unit sales increases. So that's what's held us back up until now. And then what holds us back at this point is, is in fact that great quarter that they just had. And what I think is probably the case is that a lot of revenues were paid forward into this quarter as people started working from home and kids started needing to go to school at home. And I think that there was a huge acceleration of iPad sales and laptop sales and all sorts of device sales that were accelerated into a short time period, which could leave a hole in the future. So I think Joe's right that the next move very well could be down. Um, I hear Steve on the big 5G phone sales. 
I'm not as enthusiastic on that as he is. So we're, you know, we haven't held it. We're not buying it now, but I want to make one other point here. You do not have to have held Apple to have done very well and generated great returns. It's one stock in a portfolio. It's up about 60% year to date. There are other companies that are up 60% year to date too. So I just want those of you who are looking at it and thinking, oh, gee, I missed out. Maybe you didn't. There's lots of other stuff you can own too and still do well. What about this idea, Weiss, of the pull forward? Yeah, and and I was just going to get to that. That's an excellent point you bring up. And that's a major concern of mine, is that you had your consumer all in one place at home. And what are they doing? They're shopping. What are they shopping for? They're shopping for the ability to communicate while quarantined with either work or friends. Mm -hmm. So I do think you're seeing a massive pull forward cycle. Um, I think you'll see it, though, continue to be in this quarter. It's funny, of all the commentary that we've had away from me, I agree with Jenny most. You've had one quarter that, as, as Jenny points out, and may be appropriate, may not, that was a pull forward quarter, essentially. For the rest of the time, Apple, of the last few years, earnings have been flat, revenues have been flat. That's not a company that typically doubles in value, whether it's $5 billion to $10 billion or $1 trillion to $2 trillion. So Apple is a symbol of the market. So if you think the market's going higher, which I do, then you continue to own Apple and you hope they finally hit that cycle, that upgrade cycle. If, the, if Apple trades down 10% or more, then I think you've got troubles in the market because clearly part of Apple is being driven by money coming into the market and coming into a name that people are comfortable with, that they own, that's been a, 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 a self-rewarding prophecy. Because you put money into it, it goes up. So it's not that clear cut. That's a great earnings revenue story. It's not. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jenny. I hear hear you. Right. And then that brings you back to Jim's point about artificial forces, which is not company-specific forces necessarily that have led people into Apple over the last couple of years, but rather artificial, which is low interest rates supporting more money flowing in, things like Robinhood, things like just straight-up enthusiasm and emotion flowing into Apple and the market and the big companies. So I don't think it's really specific to Apple and their unbelievable revenues. So then, Joe, are are we (laughs) suggesting here, it sounds to me like we're we're saying as a a group, you you all are, that the only thing that can get in the way of the the stock is the the market itself, that it's not going to be a fundamentally... Uh, Apple-driven pullback for those shares. If the overall market has a correction, well, then Apple is going to correct in, in its own right. But wh- why would Apple be the initiator, Joe, uh, of a move in the market? Well, if it's weaponized in the dispute uh, with the Chinese, uh, certainly that would be the catalyst for not only Apple to go down, but uh, for the overall market to go down as well. It's, it's amazing uh, the perspective that we take when markets are at highs, whether it's Apple or the S&P overall, and what we're doing is we're giving consideration to, well, is it time to sell? Um, The story that I'll share for everyone, having done this for the better part of 30 years, is you're never going to sell the high in the market. That's not how this game works. Um, And I think the question becomes, where is your next move in Apple? Are you adding to Apple on a 10 or a 15% decline? Are you adding to Apple on the belief that the artificial environment that Jim and Jenny uh, are, are communicating to all of us, that's going to act in continuous. That artificial environment, that's not going anywhere. Low rates, they're going to be staying with us for, for many years to come. So um, back to your question, Scott, it could be something negative as it relates to the Chinese, and that would take the entire market you down. You know, Weiss, the, the fact of the matter is Tim Cook, the, the CEO of Apple, has been able to navigate 
um, just about anything that's been thrown at, at the company. We've had numerous conversations at the, you know, the outset of the trade war and the tariffs with China, wondering whether there was going to be retaliation, what the overall effect was going to be on Apple in China. Tim Cook navigated that pretty well, right? He sort of leaned in, if you will, into a relationship that he had to have from a business standpoint with President Trump um, because he knew it was, I think, better off for the business to be involved at the table in that conversation rather than at arm's length. And maybe other CEOs would have would have handled it differently. But he's been an amazing steward of, of the company as uh, many headwinds have been thrown at him. Maybe we can, can we finally put to rest the nonsense about Tim Cook and the lack of innovation and things like that? I, I think you're talking I'm different issues. I mean, clearly, he, clearly he's, he's, he's navigated the political waters as well or better than anybody. Uh, it's helpful to mm -hmm. him that he's a major employer in the U.S. and a major employer in China. So it pays for both countries to be on his side. In terms of, though, uh, his his abilities or what he's proven as an operator, no, we can't put aside innovation. I've got an AirPod in my ear. We've got the Apple Watch. Those are great, but those aren't cutting edge. The, those aren't enough innovation in terms of, remember the iPhone 10? It was supposed to be the best phone ever. It wasn't. And so we can't put that to bed. We well, also can't put to bed the, the lack of acquisitions. You take a look at Mark Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg, the most maligned CEO out there in tech. Look at the acquisitions he's made. Look at the acquisitions Tim Cook's made. Oh, I'm sorry. He really hasn't. Well, Beats. I don't understand. Great why, why, should, why should he be judged on his lack of, of acquisitions? I, I, don't, I don't understand. And, no, and by the way, judged. I thought Roger he's McNamee, judged. I thought Roger McNamee had something um, e extraordinarily profound to say in the last hour when he suggested that Tim Cook is, has innovated a business model, right? He's innovated Apple into a new business model. They have all these uh, other, other businesses, and that's the genius of where Tim yep. Cook's not, not taking the company. He's been able to understand what consumers want. He's delivered it. What's, I don't understand why he has to invent exactly. a, a helicopter Every that serves you breakfast, that you can answer the phone, and you can type emails from. Can I tell you why? Because cash sitting on the balance sheet, earning zero, billion, hundreds of billions of dollars, does nothing for shareholders, number one. Number two, he didn't innovate the business model. That was innovated before Tim Cook, number two. Number three, cash on the balance sheet, as I just said. What could you do with that cash? Could he put that cash to work to generate more than zero? I think that he can. So let's not confuse the market with, with, uh, with a great CEO from an operation standpoint. If you go back to prior Christmases, you'll see how many times this guy who came up through the chain supply has misjudged a man, how they didn't have the components to take full advantage of Christmas. So look, I own the stock. It's a great stock. He's great from having a brand name that he's behind. I would say he's really screwed it up. But he hasn't because he navigated political waters well in these troubled times. But flat earnings, flat revenues, they're what you look at. And that's been consistent for a few years now. Okay. Joe, do you have a, do you have a, a different take on this, on this issue? Well, I, yeah, I, I think, you know, Stephen is being a little bit extreme uh, in, in the absence of, of <laughs> innovation. Um, clearly, there are, uh, from the perspective of providing new products to the consumer. There, there are challenges, I would agree with that, for Apple. But I also think 
that Apple is going to be going to places in the coming years and having the ability to do it with the significant cash balance uh, that Stephen cites, uh, whether it's the entree into health uh, or fitness or education. I think these are places that Apple is beginning to prepare itself on the services side. The introduction, as I mentioned the other day, of the bundle subscription, I think that's the preparation for where they go next. So uh, I began this by saying I think the next $50 for the stock is going down, but that does not be, uh, lead me to the premise that the successful story, the American success story of what Apple has been over the last decade is going to change anytime soon at all. And oh, by the way, Steve, I mean, you could say he's made it a more shareholder friendly company, so to speak, than many than 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 maybe, you know, others others would have. They, they buy back a lot of stock. They're splitting their stock, pays a dividend. Um, he seemingly navigated a whole lot of of choppy waters in a really successful way, and it's hard to find any negatives within that story. Right, and, and thank you to Carl Icahn can, can for waking Tim Cook up to the, to, the, to the benefit of buying stock back and raising your dividend, although Icahn, uh, you know, benefited from that and done quite well. I don't know that Tim got there by himself. But well, look, I mean, they were already buying, they were already, let's be clear, let's be clear, they were already buying back a whole lot of stock. It's just Icon wanted them to buy back even more. Right. Right. And buying back stock is not innovative. It's happens. Mm -hmm. The market's been around. But let, let me just finish this one point, Gambling Jim. The, um, when I look at what's <laughs> occurred during his watch, I've seen Amazon Prime come out of nowhere to be a dominant online over-the-top video company. I've seen Netflix, which was could have been and we said it should have been an acquisition candidate with a 50 billion market cap. I've seen that grow to be an enormous company. Where's Apple? I'm an Apple, you know, I'm on Apple Apple's Video. Apple's at $2 trillion Apple Plus, in market cap. What do you want? I don't understand. Like, what, what do I you want it. as I an want, investor? Hey, you know, you, you, you may be happy to stop at good. I want to get to great. Well, okay? $2 trillion is not great? Three I don't trillion. understand what you want. <laughs> what does great you, look like? You want you, you three want trillion your cake. Great. No, you want Scott, you're the one who's talking imagine, out of both imagine, sides of your mouth. Let you're, me ask you this. But you're hold on. Let you're me, the one who's I talking am, out of both sides of your mouth. You want to be able to throw stones at Tim Cook, but fall back by saying, "Well, I own the stock, and I'm very happy that I own the stock." Right. I, I'm admittedly he's throwing out both sides of my mouth. He's not the only one holding his nose. Not everything you own, not everything you own in your portfolio has a perfect backdrop to the holding. None of them do. There are warts in all of them. I like to point out the warts and say, this is what you can do to be better. If you had added the mark cap of Netflix to Apple, think of where it'd been. So yeah, I love making so much money in Apple. But I'm trying to be honest on Tim Cook, not a sycophant who likes to follow him and say, the stock ratifies the individual. To some extent it does, but it's what you left behind. Jenny? So, so, oh, Jenny. First. I just want to say I've got no problem with the cash not having been spent on acquisitions, and in fact, I like seeing that discipline that they didn't make acquisitions just because they have a whole lot of cash. We've seen so many companies over over all of our investment histories just have cash burning a hole in their pockets, make some stupid acquisition, pay the price later, get distracted, go off strategy. So I actually have tremendous respect for Tim Cook and for Apple for staying on course and on track. And no, well, Jenny, 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 what level. you just said, what hold you on, just wait, said. I got to say one more Excuse thing. Me. Hold on, Weiss, hold okay. on, hold, go, go, hold go, on, go, Weiss, go hold on. Hold on. Okay. Hold I also want to make a vote for <laughs> if they've got the cash burning the hole in their pocket, and this I'm half joking on, 
wouldn't it be nice to double the dividend and become a really high dividend payer? So there's a suggestion, a little self-interested. <laughs> yeah, Go ahead, Weiss. Yeah, we, get, we, get it, we get it with the dividend play. All right, Weiss, now. Okay, final. Uh, what Jenny, what I heard Jenny say is that she did not think, she agrees with me, because she didn't think that Tim Cook was capable of making a creative acquisition. She thought he was just going to spend it. But that's not a bad it. thing. What I'm saying is great CEOs make great acquisitions. Again, Mark Zuckerberg, look at what he's done, what he's bought. It's phenomenal. Look at the moves that Amazon has made. Jeff Bezos, come on. That's why he's the richest guy in the world. They're different companies, though. I don't, I, I don't want... So yeah, Apple, well, they're just different companies with different core businesses. Right. Yeah, Scott, can I ask Steve a question? Two will grow, like, two grow like a weed. Joe, go ahead. Ask two, Steve two a question. Two will grow like a weed and one's been flat. Steve, Steve let, let, let me ask you. If Tim Cook was replaced as CEO with your ideal CEO, whoever that man or woman might be, would the stock be that much more significantly higher than it is today? I think it could be. I think it could be. Instead of, having, instead of having conversations like this, that is Apple so overvalued, you'd have conversations, wow, they're growing their earnings at 25%. They're growing their revenues at 15%. Why should this have lagged with a market, with a blow market multiple and being where it is now? Let me ask Maybe you Maybe you this. wouldn't have 12 let me, downgrades. Let, let me ask so, you this, Steve Weiss, and then we're going to move on to other conversations, okay? Is Bill Belichick a great okay. football coach? Yeah, phenomenal. He, he's phenomenal, ever. right? You think he's phenomenal? <laughs> yeah. Well, but they lost. I think he's phenomenal. They, but they lost three Super Bowls. He lost three Super Bowls. So um, he's won so he's got won more than anybody else. He lost three Super Bowls. And you know what, Scott? You know what I admire a lot about Bill Belichick? He makes acquisitions. He picks up players that are cast oh. off by other fir by other teams and turns them into superstars. Then knows when. He should get rid of him. So he's been a great acquirer of other assets. I yeah, think well, Tim Cook can learn from Bill Belichick. Like Thank you for Brown. pointing that out. I don't know. You know, two trillion dollars in market. Got rid of him pretty quick. That's a lot of Super Bowls in the stock market. All right, I want to talk about what else you guys are doing in the market. Why, speaking of you, you have some interesting moves. I know we can fight about it too uh, with with Jim. You sold Ford and you sold GM, which I don't understand because last week you were singing the praises of both. Right. And so I was up 10% in about two weeks on them. I got on, on Ford, if you recall, I bought it when they named the CEO. 10% in those stocks is quite a bit. So this is nothing against the gambling gym portfolio. It's just that I had good gains in them in terms of GM. The stock traded up almost 10% over two days on top of the gains that I had on a Deutsche Bank report that they were going to break apart the companies. I don't see that. So what I see is an increasingly, and I know economic numbers have picked up, but I sort of think we're plateauing. We still have a pandemic. You're still losing a lot of jobs. You're not going to recreate those jobs. So I just think, plus, production's down in autos. So look, I got more of a gain than I thought in a compressed period of time. So I got out of them. And by the way, the value trade's not working. So it worked for me. So I got rid of them. Okay. Jim Labenthal, I mean, uh, you know, we made a big deal when Weiss came on board or got, you know, he started riding shotgun with you on these trades. Um, and now he's out. And look, I, I think you actually moved GM the other day in some of your commentary on the back of that Deutsche Bank note. Weiss basically says not going to happen. Look, maybe he's right. By the way, Steve, no need to say thank you. I mean, it's been nice having you on board, but you, you can go now. <laughs> um, look, uh, thank you for keeping me out. Thank you for keeping me out of stock when you got in. 
Yeah, okay. Um, listen, th there is some <laughs> validity to what Steve's saying. It's not a done deal that they're going to break the company up. It is, however, and we'll go back to the Deutsche Bank report because the exact words were a no-brainer. It is a no-brainer as far as what the company should do. Now, I've heard some people come back to me and say, well, wait a second, that might not be best for employees. That might not be best for customers. I actually think that it's best for all of those, but more to the point, it's best for shareholders, and at this point in the game, Mary Barra's been at the helm of GM for a long time. She has to be thinking about shareholders with where this stock has been over the last six years. It's time to think about shareholders and unlock the value. These electric vehicles and autonomous vehicles are being buried in the pickup truck business, which isn't bad, but it's being buried in there. You've got to unlock that value. It's, it's a fiduciary duty at the top. Now we're going to fight again, too, because you sold Weiss Raytheon, which I think with Jim still owns, too. Why did you sell Raytheon? Yeah, Raytheon was purely a value play trade where I thought for a moment that uh, maybe that value trade would extend <laughs> longer than it has in the past. As it turns out, it didn't. And Raytheon has way too much uh, aerospace coverage, which is, we saw from Boeing, additional job cuts, is not going to be doing well for quite some time. I did pair back also General Dynamics. Only about 20% of their business is aerospace, and only a part of that is actually as sickly sensitive or as pandemic sensitive as, as, as in Raytheon. So that's why I got back. Raytheon was just a mistake. Um, GD, I've kept that market position. I'll probably add to it over time. Go ahead, Jim. Well, you, were in this for like two, you were in this for like two days, right? I mean, let, let's have, I, look, Steve, you're, you're not that short term of a trader. I know you're a visionary guy. This no. isn't just aerospace. This isn't just Thank putting you. engines on 737 maxes. This is defense. It's a big part of the business. And I'm not talking about just putting engines on, you know, on fighter jets, I'm talking about missiles, talking about satellites, the growth areas of defense. If we think defense is going away, I, that's a call I just definitely don't agree with. But I think you were in this for you were in this for less than a month, right? Oh yeah, but Jim, as your hero says, you got to know when to hold and know when to fold them. And uh, if it's not, you're on a train money, bound to nowhere, my friend, on a warm summer's eve. <laughs> I was reducing exposure. <laughs> I was ex reducing exposure anyway, and I kept GD because that's much more of a defense play than Raytheon in terms of what their leverage is to earnings, I believe. I'd be, I'd be going around and asking other people what they've been doing, but <clears throat> under my trader moves, <laughs> Joe, nothing. Jenny, stay with nothing. Me. Jim, nothing. <laughs> so I am going to stay with you, Weiss. You bought more of the home builders. <laughs> well, I did. I did. Uh, look, the, the numbers that keep coming out are just mind-boggling, and you are seeing a massive move out to the suburbs. Uh, I dabble in real estate, and... Uh, Prices have gone through the roof. I mean, you can't touch them. There's not enough capacity there. It's, it's just going to keep going and going and going. Uh, and that's part of basically, which is this disastrous income inequality. But the ones, the people that have jobs are making a living uh, are doing well, and they will continue to buy homes. Plus, in, in the XHB, You've also got Home Depot, you've got Lowe's. Those are all the companies there. And the ITB, which I also added to, you've got there the home builders. So that's why I had both. There's one other acquisition I made, and this is going to turn to a theme, which is um, Brookfield Renewable Partners. 
So in my view, it's pretty clear to me and I'm hopeful that Biden gets elected. And I don't think you'll see any Green New Deal, which is a disaster and should never happen. But you will see a greater push to renewable energy sources and away from fossil fuels. Now, while these have done well, they're only just beginning to do well. So I'll have another segment on my portfolio in that theme. And Brookfield, phenomenal asset manager. So that's right. a 4% yield as well, Jenny. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, guys. When we come back, we'll, we'll obviously talk about the retail blowout today. Uh, we'll also debate one name uh, that's been riding the wave uh, up 25% ahead of its earnings next week with a few bullish calls out on that. It's our mystery chart. A reminder, you can always watch or listen to us live on the go on the app, the CNBC app. We're back after this. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit ODFL.com to learn more. All right, we're back. Let's get the headlines now with Sue Herrera. Hi, Sue. Hello, Scott. Hello, everybody. Here's what's happening at this hour. Florida is now the fifth state to report more than 10,000 COVID-19 deaths, adding another 174 today. It joins New York, New Jersey, California, and Texas in reaching that grim milestone. So far, there have been more than 172,000 COVID-19 deaths in the U.S. The constitutional rights of New England's Patriots owner Robert Kraft and others were violated when the police secretly videotaped them allegedly paying for sex acts in a massage parlor. That ruling by a Florida appeals court means that those tapes cannot be used in a trial. Prosecutors are expected to appeal that decision. And a wild scene in southwest China as 12 vehicles parked near a mall fall into an enormous sinkhole. Unbelievably, no injuries reported. Torrential rainfall has hit that area in recent days, but the exact cause of the road's collapse is still being investigated. Wow. You are up to date, Scott. I'll send it back to you. All right. We appreciate it. Sue, thank you. Well, we have some more blowout retail earnings. As you know, Target and Lowe's both beating the street, hitting new record highs today. Weiss, so you own Target. Um, nobody else owns any of the stocks that reported today. But, Jenny, I, I want to hear your take first on, on whether you think, because you own Home Depot which had its own blowout yesterday, on, on whether you think this is as good as it gets for some of these big box retailers. I think this is another one where you saw some amount of revenues accelerated into a short time period, but I don't think it's as good as it gets, not at all. I think the beauty of companies like Home Depot and Lowe's and Target um, and TJ Maxx and Ross stores like those, the beauty of, of stores like that is that they are ultimately, in the long term, unaffected by what we've just gone through. Nobody's in two years not going to buy something at Home Depot because they happen to buy it now. They're not going to buy less or more. They're not going to buy giant wood beams and little specific screws online. So I think that the beauty of these ones is, is that they're just going to continue on. I think we got you know, a nice pop on Home Depot, a nice pop on Lowe's, a beautiful pop on Target, but that's not... Um, that doesn't derail anything for the future. They just keep that upward trend they for can, a long time. Weiss, they can keep it up. Target, which you own, they can keep up the pace. The stock's having a huge yes. day. Any part of you thinking to take some profits here? No, no part of me. As Jim points out, I'm, I'm a visionary, and I <laughs> expect them to get their costs under control oh, this quarter, and they did. Uh, look, there could be some fallback, particularly if, if the government doesn't come through with another, another relief plan. Uh, as the CEOs and Brian Cornell pointed out, they need that. 
So that could bring it back. But over the long term, I've been here long term, I'll be here long term, a great CEO, a great company, and I think they've just got a, just a great franchise that continues to pick up market share, mm -hmm. as we saw. So, no, I'm not worried about any meaningful pullback. Jim, you realize you're going to regret that comment for the duration of this program, right? Well, uh, well let's focus. Uh, I do. But let's focus on his long term outlook. What does that mean? Like five days for you? Is that is that your holding period there, Steve? <laughs> As you completely point out, I am a long-term investor, but there are some things I trade around. Six here. days. Six days. <laughs> You're getting um, warm. By the way, I, look, these, I agree with what look, Jenny let's said. Let's stick with the visionary. I agree with what Jenny said. <laughs> hang on there. Hang on there. Just, you know, what Jenny's saying about Home Depot and Lowe's, totally agree. There's other ways to play it as well, and Sherwin-Williams is, is my way. Hey, you know, what are they selling at Home Depot? They're selling paint, and most of that's Sherwin-Williams, and it's going gangbusters. Yeah. All right, let's talk about our call of the day now, and Rahel Solomon's going to join us with that. Hi, Rahel. Hi, Scott, and that call would be on Salesforce, getting a new price target of $235 at Jefferies as they maintain their buy rating. So this is a $15 raise from the previous target and one of the highest on the street for CRM. So analysts at Jefferies point out that the stock is attractively valued. They expect sustainable growth driven by strong enterprise adoption and also some larger deals in the pipeline. And Scott, it's a name that the street is extremely bullish on. There's only one sell rating with 88% of analysts who cover this stock recommending it as a buy or a hold. The average price target also 206.73. So Salesforce uh, also on Mizuho's list of its favorite stocks right now, along with CrowdStrike and Palo Alto Networks, they point out that while new business remains challenged, their software checks have been positive with some indications of improvement. Mizuho also pointing out that software continues to be an outperformer year-to-date. We have seen that to be true for sure with other big cloud names like Zscaler, Cloudflare, and Coupa Software, all of which are up more than 100% in 2020. Scott, we should say that Salesforce reports next Tuesday, August 25th. So watch those numbers. We will. And Rahel, you, you stay with me. Uh, it's interesting, Jim. No one, no one here owns Salesforce, which like this much favored name. I, you hear everybody raving about it. Rahel brings us our call of the day on it, and yet nobody owns it. Joe, why not? Well, software and security are defensive in their nature. Back to the Home Depot and Best Buy and Target conversation, it's the same type of mentality. Uh, why don't I own it? Because just I don't have room in the portfolio right now. I have been in other places. I would be in Palo Alto Networks. I think it's important to understand security moving forward is going to uh, be something that IT spending is not going to be pulling back on anytime soon. I would own Salesforce over owning CrowdStrike. I think Salesforce has more of a dominant market share uh, in their particular space. So uh, I look at all of these names collectively and I view them as defensive in nature when thinking about technology because you're always asking yourself a pullback in spending. Yeah. Where is uh, corporations well, why don't going you own to them take then? the money from? And it's not well, going to be. Why don't you I don't have room then. in the portfolio. You keep saying I would, I would, I, I would. I don't have room in the I, because I, I said that, Scott, I don't have room in the portfolio unless you want to uh, send me a nice big loan where I could expand the amount of uh, holdings in my portfolio. I just don't have room for them. I have 29 holdings. That's my max. I'm at it. Uh, I can't think of what I would be taking out of the portfolio to add something in like this. There's many names that you could look at that you could say, I would like to own it right now, but just don't have room for it. Yeah, it's a shame uh, that you don't because look at those performers. Rahel, right, that, that goes along with some of these calls. They're just getting on top Absolutely. of some of these movers, Rahel. Yeah, 240% for CloudStrike, Zscaler, 270. 
certainly outperformers, Scott, as you mentioned. But to Joe's point, to just put a fine point to that, um, Zuho also saying that Palo Alto Networks is one of their strongest picks among their favorite, uh, saying that it possesses the strongest array of cloud assets among firewall-centric vendors in our view. So again, saying it's one of their favorite names amongst that group. But uh, Scott, if Joe doesn't have room, he doesn't have room. When you only have 29 names, believe me, you find he finds room for when he really likes something. He finds a room. It's not like he does nothing for hell. I mean, come on. Joe, next week, Joe will tell us, I bought something else. All right. Jenny, you own Palo Alto. Got to sell something first. All right. So, so I, think, I think Joe brings up a really good point of not having the room, which is you need to maintain a discipline and have a tidy portfolio with disciplined processes that put the different stocks into the portfolio. And on Palo Alto Networks, what we look for there, this is in our growth portfolio, is a very high free cash flow yield. So that to us is, you know, is our first hurdle. Palo Alto is fairly priced, high free cash flow, high growth, and in a space that we think actually, when we were talking about long-term unaffected with Home Depot and companies like this, we think Palo Alto is long-term benefited by what's gone on and that that trend could sustain for a long time as people do actually permanently work from home. Even if you work from home one day a week, you're going to need to have higher security at both the corporate and home level, and we think Palo Alto benefits from All that. Right, we're watching that stock move up. Rahel, thanks as always. Rahel Solomon. Up next, Avenue Capital's Mark Lazary. He checks uh, in with us on Decision 2020, the markets, his Milwaukee Bucks. I'm sure he's really anxious to talk about that Bucks performance yesterday, but we'll do that next. And as we head to break, a look at the S&P sector heat map led by Com Services. S&P is up seven and a half. But the big news of the day is Apple eclipsing two trillion dollars in market cap. First time ever. We're back after this. You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft and performance with Acura's all electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, welcome back to the Halftime Report. Let's bring in another market voice now. Mark Lazary is the chairman and CEO of Avenue Capital. He is, of course, the owner of the Milwaukee Bucks of the NBA. Mark, welcome back. Thank you. Pleasure to be back. You, should we just get the buck stuff out of the way first or just yeah. save that for later? No, it was a horrible performance, but um, I'm not worried. We'll be back. Um, you know, when you're there and you're in person, I think I was the only one screaming in the, in the, uh, in the stadium, just going, trying to get our team going, but somehow it didn't work. So it was fine. You, you have some company, though. The Lakers are off to a slow start, too. So a, a lot of teams need to, to, to rebound a bit. Let, let me ask you about the, the market, if I could. We're, not, not only are we, are we marking this $2 trillion market cap milestone for Apple, but we are noting that the bear market was the shortest on record. And this turnaround yeah. that we've had from the March lows has been quite remarkable, uh, I know. Yeah. I just love your thoughts in general about how far we've come in such a short amount of time. Look, I think it's great. Um, 
It, it's been surprising because when you sort of look at it, I think for a number of companies, especially tech companies and sort of Apple, they've done great. But there's a whole part of the market that just isn't participating. I mean, you know, uh, I could tell you like a week ago, two weeks ago, we invested in a company, Diamond Offshore, where think of this, they've got $450 million of bank debt that's secured. They've got $450 million of cash. And we ended up buying the bank debt at $0.65 cents on the dollar. So, and the company makes about $150 million of EBITDA. They'll make 100 next year. It's you, you, it's what you talk about. You've got the haves and the have-nots. If you're the haves, life is great. If you're the have-nots, in a zero-rate environment, we're able to make all these investments. So it just doesn't make sense, but that's sort of where we're living. And, and you haven't sort of changed your perspective on where you think we are in this recovery, even as you have, at least from an equity standpoint, you have a lot of people coming out now and suggesting that the best places to put your money today are in those so-called economy stocks, the reopening stocks, the epicenter stocks. And, and you must not buy that, so to speak, if you continue to look at the credit side of those same sorts of things for opportunity. Yeah, I just think, I just think you're getting overpaid um, for the risks we're taking. If, if you look at sort of, you know, when I was listening in, everybody's saying, well, look, I don't understand why it's trading at $2 trillion, but I'm not going to sell. Um, and I get that, but for me, I'd rather invest in a company where I can buy cash at a discount. I mean, that seems to me to be a better investment. Um, however, you know, Apple's gone up quite a bit, and so have a bunch of the other stocks, and I'm not going to argue with it. It's just for what I do, I'd rather try to invest in things where I think we're getting a lot of value. Of all the distressed opportunities in terms of sectors, is it, is it retail consumer-facing brands that you think are the most opportunistic now? I, I see that you uh, have JCPenney debt now, and that would follow yep. some of the other um, big box, if you will, retail or department store opportunities that you've taken advantage of lately. Yeah, we have. I mean, I think you can just invest in these companies at or close to liquidation values. Um, it's just right now the market doesn't want to deal with those companies. They'd rather you know, you'd rather be investing in Apple or any of the other stocks, you know, Facebook. Um, so I think for us right now, um, I think we're just getting overpaid for that. You know, we ended up buying JCPenney simply because um, it's got 900 stores. We knew in a liquidation, you would end up getting paid more than where we were creating the company. So I, I think for us, we'll be able to generate those returns. I don't think we'll be able to double our money like uh, people have been doing on the stock, but I think we're taking a lot less risk. Let me lastly, before I let you run, uh, and I do have to do that in just a second, uh, Kamala Harris, um, you've come on this program on numerous occasions yep. and suggested that she, you, had, you had supported her uh, throughout the primaries, but also that she was the right person to be on the ticket with, with Joe Biden. Uh, now that she is, and the fact that the convention is underway, um, your thoughts? I think she's great. Look, I think she's fabulous. Um, I think everybody has seen, and you've sort of seen it, um, she's been universally picked, you know, that she was the right candidate. Um, look, I think at the end of the day for what, you know, Joe Biden wants to do, she's the right person. She's going to unite a lot of people. Um, and I think we'll see that over the course of the next couple of months. Do you think that, that the markets reflect in any way a, a potential change in leadership of this country? I don't think yet. I think uh, it's still a bit early. I mean, Biden definitely is ahead. But I think the market is going to focus on this sometime in 
September, October, you know, the closer you are, the, the polls will get a little bit tighter and we'll start getting a better feel for what's going on in October. Um, but I don't think the market is really focused on it as much today. I remember a conversation we had ahead of the midterms some time yeah. ago where you suggested that if the Democrats um, had swept, that the market was going to have a big problem with that. Now, that wasn't yeah. the case. Obviously, the Dems took the right. House. But if you do see that happen in November, what do you think the stock market's reaction to it would be? It's going to be really I don't think it's going to be good. I mean, you know that if, um, you know, if if Democrats sweep, you're going to have more regulation. You're going to have higher taxes. Um, I just don't see that as being a positive for the markets. Mark, we'll talk to you again soon. Appreciate you joining us. Take care. Good luck. Good luck in game two. (laughs) Thank you. We're going to need it. Take care. That's Mark Lazary joining us. All right. The Investment Committee answering your questions straight ahead. We're back in just two minutes. All right, a big earnings report today. After the bell, it is NVIDIA. Jim Labenthal, you first. No one owns this stock on the show today. What a miss. What a whiff. Yeah. Well, you got to. Well, yeah, I get you. You know, look, it's a fabulous company. No, not you guess so. Just it yes. Wasn't the, yes. Just what a whiff. All right, but listen, let me Everybody's make a point. Hang it. on here. We don't have a lot. Of, all right, but look, it's beginning of this year, it was at 35 uh-huh. times this year's earnings. Now it's at 60 times this year's earnings. I get it. The Fed has lowered rates. Multiples should re-rate. I get that. That's fine. But for me to buy a chip company, I don't care how great it is, at 60 times, I have to ignore the fact that this is a hyper-competitive capital-intensive industry. I'm just not going to do it. Okay. Jenny? I second what Jim said. I have nothing to add. It was perfect. Wow. (laughs) Swing and a miss. Hey, Scott, (laughs) don't beat up my boy Jim because I'm a visionary and I don't even own it. Like I said, nobody owns it, and, right? I just said all of you. Well, all of you. Uh, Scott, strike yeah. one, two, three, America, four. Yeah, we should. We do, should be owning it. Let's. It's a, do, let's. We do, should no, be owning it. It's a quality company. Yeah, but then no, Joe. But then you'd have to sell one of your twenty-nine stocks to own it, and you can't do that. I'd have to sell one of my twenty-nine <laughs> holdings. I'm not as active as management is with all the uh, acquisitions it's making. Mellanox, yeah. potentially Arm Holdings, doing a great job. All right, we got less than a minute, Jenny. Why don't you start us off with final trades, please? Sure. CenturyLink still trades down 16% year-to-date, 9% dividend yield, 7%, sorry, seven times earnings, and should be a long-term beneficiary in this environment. Did you say what the yield was? 9%. Crazy. Big, 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 big. Okay, Jenny, thank you. And real and safe. All right. The Good Farmer. (laughs) I apologize to America about the Weiss comment. To make up for it, I suggest you buy Google. It's the unsung brethren within the fang names, and it's, it's got room to grow. It's this, 1% this, from its all-time This was high. suggesting that he was a visionary, which he will never let you forget. Weiss, we don't have that much time. Give me a name. Uh, key sites can trade up to earnings tomorrow afternoon. All right. Mr. 29, what do you got? If I was going to sell something, it'd be Eli Lilly, and I'd buy AbV. All right. Good stuff. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for watching. The- You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. 
or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.